Hello and welcome back to another episode of Returning to the Earth. Um, I am just thinking and this morning's criticism of myself is I feel like I've been sounding very pessimistic lately and you know what, maybe I just need to meet myself where I am and I'm allowed, like, I was in a big time of my life where I wouldn't allow anybody in my life to be pessimistic and I wouldn't allow myself and so maybe it's just meeting myself where I am and fuck, what if I, you know, feel weird about living? Why can't that be okay? And there's a big stigma on like a spiritual community and this new ageness. It's like, mm, you can't be low vibe or else I'm not going to be friends with you. And <laughs> my friend's so cute. She just sent me something about a goat on Instagram tag a friend. Oh my god, that's adorable. Um, I love I love people. I love humans. Anyhow, um, but it's like, why we live in a floating rock? And if you're gonna sit there and judge people for having worries about being human, and then we're like, oh. I actually cannot spend time with you because you're going to lower my vibration. Bro, literally, honestly, shut up. I wish I could have had somebody tell... Well, I did have people tell me to shut up. (laughs) Maybe I shouldn't be that abrupt. But it's like, when you're doing that, you're just creating the perpetual cycle of more shame and ignorance. Like, all we're doing is making people feel bad about themselves. The biggest lesson that you can possibly do... I feel like when I said the shit up thing felt like that sounded very pushy but um it was like the one thing that you can do to help yourself and to help anybody else around you cultivate more love understanding less shame and more openness to learning is to simply meet them where they're at okay you cannot force a butterfly out of a cocoon too early it's never going to get you or them where you want them to do, or want them to be, all you're going to do is slowly hurt them. And you're going to slowly hurt yourself. You're going to force yourself to become something before you're meant to be. Um, And so I spent like a year or two years trying to pave these yellow brick roads for people where I'm like, okay, I've set all this stuff up for you. Like, here's all these books you can read. And here's all this knowledge for you. And do you not see that all you have to do is do this and do that. And you can simply have anything you want. And all the answers and all the goals are right there. Just do it. And then they would be going through something mentally. And I'm just like, okay. Well, since you don't have the capacity for this right now, I'm going to not talk to you. And it's not. it was not as simple as that. But it was like if somebody always complained about their day or, you know, needed somebody to lean on and didn't always have the best attitude about life I'd be like I can't have you in my life and although sometimes people were crossing my boundaries and I had to be like hey we're different parts of each other's lives and I just need to let you go for right now and communicated that that's different than just being like you're low vibe and you're lowering my vibration like I I just I can't do that kind of spiritual community I've I really, really, and that's why I really wanted to stop this podcast and really wanted to stop influencing on social media the way that I was. And that's why it's different and it's more cracked open. And that's like my whole thing is like returning to the earth and like a lot of my poetry lately. 
for like the past six months has been like my heart is fucking cracked open and I'm bleeding a little bit and that is meeting you where you are and that's meeting others where you are where they are because it's saying you're going to hurt and you're going to bleed and you will still love um, and you're meeting yourself and you're meeting others exactly where they're where they are within their heart mourning grieving and loving process and that is the tremendously beautiful cycle of being alive um and so anyhow yeah i can't do the self-improvement project thing i I spent some time with somebody where I felt like I constantly needed to improve myself and I constantly needed to see the answers and see the illusions and see where it was just like three months of intense shadow work for a reason that I was not prepared for. And I'm not going to blame anybody for that other than myself and not recognizing the patterns. But it was like I was crying every single day trying to dismantle and trying to dig into deep, deep trauma like every single day. And I left completely exhausted from those three months not realizing what I was doing and how that was not helping me or anybody else around me. And then when I left and then I did, um, I had time to just do labor and to just like think about things. That's when I really got into my poetry because then I realized that poetry is a simple way of living. It's not forcing yourself to constantly crack open. It's allowing yourself to be cracked open naturally. Um, that's the other thing with like shadow work or like dark night of the soul stuff um, is we're like, yeah, you have to dig in and you have to dig into the deepest, darkest parts of yourself and you need to pull it out and you need to plop it out and you need to look it in the eyes. But no, you need to let that naturally happen. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Go to therapy. Yeah. Do MDMR. Yeah. Do SSP, all these different kinds of therapies and stuff to bring up trauma, but do not force yourself to do trauma work you'll be naturally triggered in your everyday life and that's when you need to look for the cues and how to stop a cycle. But don't actively seek, oh, today I need to do this. And I was doing microdosing of psilocybin for a while where I was like forcing myself to dig into the past trauma of myself and forcing myself to journal. And it started to become such a exhausting process, but I did not know that because I'm like, I need to heal. If I want to do influencing, I need to heal. And that's the other thing. Again, I'm not trying to be pessimistic in the way of shaming anybody or any one way of culture right now or one way of living for any group of people. But it is incredibly harmful when we think that we need to look at a shadow workbook and dig into every single part of our trauma at one linear point in time. Like if we're like, okay, for the next six months, I'm going to do the shadow work. No, you cannot simply do that. You have to allow yourself to be triggered and naturally work through things. Because if not, I like literally opened up stuff for myself that I was not ready and did not have the support system for understanding. There were some times where I literally felt absolutely fucking delusional because I cracked open a piece of myself on purpose using you know, psilocybin or just simply diving really, really deep into journal work. Um, and I opened up things about my trauma that I was not ready to do with alone. And I didn't have the support system to simply hold me was where I, where I was at. And then I opened up this, and this might sound kind of woo woo, but it, it is what it is. I opened up this whole fucking channel and I, I took, um, marijuana and edible one night and so, like, I truly believe that marijuana is a substance kind of like 
um, psych- so marijuana for women is what psychedelics are for men. Like women, we have built in, and and I'm not trying to disregard any other gender. Um, I'm saying it in the way that womb owners, and you're allowed to identify it however you want. I think that's incredibly beautiful for any expression within that. I think womb owners, people that were born with wombs in, in the first place, and if you choose not to, that's also incredibly beautiful, um, that when you have a womb, you're built in with pain. And there's this that TV show Fleabag where um, she's talking to this this gay older lady at a bar, and she's like, yeah, well, I'm going to build in with pain. And I think about that often. Um, and so w- marijuana is a portal for women. I think tobacco kind of is too. Um, but that's a whole nother conversation or like a different tangent. And then psychedelics for men is how to connect them to their softness. And so one night I took an edible and it opened up my trauma so deeply. And I did not realize that it was trauma opening um, for me because I, I took that edible already having fear in my system about something that was going to happen the next day. So I was like, I can numb myself a little bit. Um, I was already, like I said, doing psilocybin practices um and rituals like every other week for trauma and um I literally had like a psych break that night I literally felt like I was on fucking Jupiter I took too much of an edible I was freaking out I could not stop and then the next nine months of my life I had the most awful anxiety because I opened up something and I was dealing with intense intense trauma um going through it and that's what began my anxiety through this medicine that we call marijuana. And so I didn't do anything with marijuana for like nine months. Um, and I talked about this before in this podcast, if you've been listening for the past two, year, two years. But it was like I have a totally different outlook on it now with my different outlook on life from my past six months of independent understanding of myself, not under the roof that I was raised under. And so, yeah. Um, it was quite interesting. And so that's just, again, do not force yourself. And I think the universe kind of provided for me, even though the nine months of intense anxiety was absolutely awful and I would not want to go through that again. It did teach me exactly what it needed to teach me. Um, and so I cannot do, like there's certain groups of new age spirituality I simply cannot do. Um it's not that I have judgment over it, and maybe actually, if I'm being honest with myself, I do because they're forcing people to crack themselves open when they're not simply ready, and it's not part of natural order. Um, we're like, oh, we need to be these like ascendant beings, and when I say this, it does sound very judgmental because I honestly do have a lot of judgment towards it right now. It might change yet again, but I used to, like I said, be in that place. I was like, I need to be ascended, I'm a starseed, I'm an alien, I'm from another earth, I'm like, not to say that none of this is, is, um, has truth to it, um, I don't know what I believe in, so I can't just be like, oh, you guys are crazy, but I'm like, I, I don't, I, I did it because I felt like I, ha- I needed to belong to a community, because I felt so different, but I felt so different because I was raised in a home that was not contributive to a soft person as I am um I feel like an outcast because it's very emotionally immature in the lineage that I'm from and the generational perpetual cycles that I've been passed on through um and so yeah and so I was reading all these really really deeply intense books and although I love Eckhart Tolle and I love Ram Dass 
some of their texts, if you're not ready for them as well, opens up a whole other channel for you that can lead you to almost a psychic break and so or a psychotic break. And so also knowing when to divulge and to involve yourself within those texts and when you need to intuitively just drop in and listen to yourself. Um, the other thing is a lot of the times in this new age spirituality, it's all about materialism and that's not what spirituality is. You're, you're a spiritual human, uh, our spiritual being contributing to this human existence. Um, you don't need to get into spirituality because you are a spiritual being. Um, you're a soul and a spirit in this little vessel walking around, um, with the, with the lineage of a, of an ape and it's crazy and it's beautiful and we're not here to quote unquote ascend into anything. We're here to live and to break cycles and to continue for our souls to evolve if that's what one believes in. Um, and I, I want to reiterate this and I will every podcast maybe is I don't have any of the answers. And that's the thing is at one point in my life, I'm like, I have all the answers. I've read all these spiritual texts. Um, and I was like 17, 16, 17. And I made this podcast and I'm like, this is how life is guys this like it was almost very cultish it was like I know everything and I am healed and that's also where neuroage spirituality is harmful is we think that we have all the knowledge it's like and I've talked to some new age spiritualists and they're like yeah this is exactly the way life is I have all the answers and I'm like no and then I would try explaining the way I see life and they're like that's not right this is actually how it is and it's like there is room for me and there's room for you. And that's also something that I'm learning is people that need to be entirely right, especially in the new age spirituality community. It feels very cultish to me because they're like, there's no room for for error almost. There's no room for, um, for like, it's like black and white. It's like, this is how it is. And you saying it, this it's like also very very harsh love like it's not soft love it's not meeting where we are where we are it's like I don't even know how I got on this tangent I literally come came on here to read more about all about love by bell hooks <laughs> this is a completely different conversation but I woke up at 6 a.m and I went to bed at 1 a.m and I drank some coffee and I'm just looking out my window and the cicadas are out and I have soft light in my room so, so I'm just like you know rambling about things and so yeah but I just I've had a lot of encounters with um, when I was just in really really new age spirituality and so of course you're going to attract this kind of people whatever you're working on yourself with is what you're going to attract in the, your outside world and so I was just dealing with a lot of people that was just like um, I would do or say something and they're like no you can't do that because it's going to contribute to you attracting really bad people and so there's a lot of fear mongering too it's like um I would say something low vibe and I would get like verbally attacked. It's like, you cannot say that you need to get the fuck out or like stuff like that. It's like, you're bringing all these low vibes in. Um, please get out. It's like, oh my God, you simply cannot do that. Um, and again, I was once like that. And so looking in hindsight, I give myself a lot of grace and I have this, this point of view that I just cannot do that community right now. Okay. So anyhow, so I want you to give yourself grace. And if you're in that place and you're listening to this podcast and you're frustrated with me right now, good. I want you to feel that. I want you to feel that anger and that frustration because why are you not meeting yourself where you are? I think that the opposite of new age spirituality is 
not even philosophy it's just raw fucking poetry it's just like and I saw this Pinterest post yesterday and it's like people that are poets think way too deeply about things but no poetry sim- simply the flat line and the baseline I said flat line that is kind of a poetic thing within itself because flat line is dead um but it's the baseline of basically meeting yourself where you are it's seeing the complete rawness of the entirety of the universe and it's plugging that in to words it's not trying to articulate it into a manner that anybody else understands but people that will understand is meant to see your teachings and writings of your own existence and so anyhow that's my little rant um so yeah allow yourself to be who you need to be right now and you will find people that will support you and meet you exactly where you are and that's exactly what you deserve is being met in all in the entirety of you and also loving within trying to get into this book that i'm gonna hopefully read a chapter or two about on this podcast episode is love is not about loving people and the beauty and in the lovingness it's meeting people where they need love and that's often in the nitty-gritty it's often in the deepness um i've held people while they've cried i've held people after they've said some of the most gut-wrenching things to me and about me to my face and i will hold them and i will ask them so why did you say that to me and it's often it was a trauma trigger and so i will hold them and i will talk to them about it but that's also understanding your boundaries and when they've crossed something, honoring your own shit and being like, you know what, that was not okay. And you can only do that trying to heal somebody for so long. And this is a contributed a contributive piece to diving into this book is um, the first part of reading this book, I got to a point where I was like wanting to heal others. And I still want to play that role. I will attract people into my life that need or want somebody to parent them and I subconsciously do that because it I want to help people the way that I felt like I couldn't be validated within my experience as a child and so I feel like if I attract people and heal them then it heals me but in return it's not doing that job because I'm trying to parent them when I don't need to be parented, but I I need support and you need support. And when I'm trying to parent them, they don't leave any space for me to be fully acknowledged in the way that I am because I'm giving all my acknowledgement to them and I'm trying to heal them and trying to parent them. And that makes no room for me. And so learning that you are not to heal anybody in this lifetime. If your simple existence offers somebody healing and the way that you see the world that is where it's at but do not go out of your way to say I'm going to heal you for instance like when I wanted to do a life coaching and I was doing social media influencing more um before I like created a new Instagram where I am now but my old Instagram it was I it was like a connotation to I have the answers and I can heal you but that's not the case I cannot heal you I can show you stepping stones to healing yourself and like a shaman we often think that shamans and gurus are like going to take us in and we're going to go in and heal ourselves but often shamans and gurus are simply just the people that is activating the medicine within ourselves for us to do our own work they're not god or these superhumans that can strip away all of our trauma it's simply offering us a stepping stone to understanding ourselves better to providing a space in which we can help ourselves um 
and that's where I am right now is with my with my own work with the way that I will show up in this world is it's I am not to heal but if you want to speak to me and learn from me we can learn from one another in the way that you see me and I see you and we don't go out of our ways to heal one another but within our simple existence our souls match a little bit up where we can heal one another without needing the label of healing and I don't know how to describe that but that's the kind of connections that I'm looking for in life right now after the past six months of just like trying to understand myself better and being in crappy relationships and trying to heal everybody under the sun and being like but I can parent you like I didn't even realize that's what I was doing I can parent you and I can heal you and I can hold you and I can you know do all these things for you because I want to be that parent you could not have but that is simply not how life is or maybe it is I I can't you know everybody has their different parts in life and everybody needs to make their own mistakes so I'm not going to tell you not to do that but within my own existence that simply was extremely harmful to my well-being because I left myself so dry in the desert like I would just give give and give and give and then I'd be like I would communicate with these people and I'm like you're not giving me any acknowledgement and they're like, um, well, simply I don't have any space for you right now. I'm trying to heal myself. And they wouldn't say that, but that's exactly what would happen. Um, we'd, you know, I'd get into these arguments with these people and they're like, well, I, you know, I'm going through my own stuff right now. I can't help you after I would dump my heart and soul into trying to heal them. And I can't judge them for that because I was opening up the opportunity and space for me to heal them. That's what I was doing subconsciously. And so I attract those kind of people and I'm stopping that cycle. Um, And so, yeah, but anyhow, let's finally get into the book. (laughs) Um, It's really interesting to notice cycles and to just be like, I'm done. Um, And yeah, again, you can look at all these spiritual texts, but what cycle are you perpetuating subconsciously? That, That is the spiritual text that you need to look for that's found within yourself. So, okay. Um... Where do I want to begin? Okay. Oh, my book kind of smells like bonfire. I love that. Okay, so this chapter is called Justice Childhood Love Lessons. One of the most important social myths that we must debunk is if we are to become a more loving culture is the one that teaches parents that abuse and neglect can coexist with love. Abuse and neglect negate love. Care and affirmation, the opposite of abuse and humiliation, are foundations of love. No one can rightfully claim to be loving when behaving abusively. Yet parents do this all the time in our culture. Children are told that they are loved even though they are being abused. Wow, yeah. I talked about this in the last podcast episode of this book as well. It is a testimony to the failure of loving practice that abuse is happening in the first place. Many of the men who offer their personal testimony in boyhood growing up male tell stories of random violent abuse by parents that inflict trauma. In, this, in this, his essay, When My Father Hit Me, Bob Shelby describes the pain of repeated beatings by his dad stating, From his experiences with my father, I learned about the abuse of power. By physically physically hitting my mother and me, he effectively stopped us from reacting 
to his humiliation of us. We cease to protest his violations of our boundaries and his ignoring our senses of being individuals with needs, demands, and rights of our own. Throughout this essay, Shelby expresses contradictory understandings about the meaning of love. On one hand, he says, I have no doubt that my father loved me, but his love became misdirected. He said he wanted to give me what he didn't give, what he didn't have as a child. On the other hand, Shelby confesses what he most showed me, however, was his difficulty in being loved. All his life had struggled with feelings of being unloved. Wow. When Shelby describes his childhood and it's it's clear that his dad had affection for him and also gave him care some of the time. However, his dad did not know how to give and receive love. The affection he gave was undetermined by the abuse. Writing from the space of an adult recollection, Shelby talks about the impact of physical abuse in his boyhood psyche. As the intensity of the pain of his hits increased, I felt the hurt in my heart. I realized what hurt me the most were my feelings of love for this man who was hitting me. I covered my love with a dark cloth of hate. A similar story is told by other men in this audio whoa this autobiographical <laughs> autobiographical audio bi- biographical a narrative men of all classes and races one of the myths about lovingness is that it exists only among the poor and deprived yet lovingness is not a function of poverty or material lack in homes where material privileges were abound children suffer emotional neglect and abuse in order to cope with the pain and wounds inflicted in childhood Most of the men in boyhood sought some form of therapeutic care. To find their way back to love, they had to heal. Wow. And something that I'm realizing that is a really, really deep, I almost said I want to say pebble to fucking digest. It fucking 100 pound brick is hurt people will hurt people. And people do not want to know that. But I have learned firsthand that when you try to take on the responsibility of playing God and trying to heal people, those hurt people that you are trying to heal their like family trauma of, you will end up dealing with, actually, I think that sounds very insensitive, not dealing with, you will end up having a perspective of their abuse handed to you and performed at you and it's not to say that they want to abuse you it's that they don't know how to stop that cycle um and so i'm trying to say this with the most compassion and empathy because it's it's hard when i don't know why but i for a while i took on this responsibility subconsciously because i wanted to heal people um but in the wrong way and so i I, again i'm trying to find words that sound the least insensitive because I don't hate these people. I had put myself into these situations, but I also had to, to understand is playing these roles of God, you will take on their trauma, not knowing what you're getting yourself into. Um, and so if you're in a relationship where you think you can heal your partner, I'm sure you know you are noticing the same thing and you're wanting to throw it to the side because that's certainly what I did. Um, it's being like, oh, no, like 
I would live with beautiful people, not live, I would be involved with beautiful, beautiful people, but also I would take on these roles of saying that I had space to help them heal their trauma with them. And so within that, they would share things and I would feel those same things through them. And it's not something that I could ever say to them. But I've I've dealt with a dozen people that is like that. And they don't notice that cycle unless you say something, but it doesn't feel right for you to say anything. And so it's like, okay, I need to be able to say that crosses a boundary. How can I help you not from the front lines? How can I help you and be a person in the seats cheering you on rather than somebody that's right there being the coach? Um, And so, and often all you have to do is plant a seed in somebody's head. Like even if you were in a relationship or you are in a relationship right now and you feel like you have to do that and you need to let them go, Maybe just you planting the seed that there's hope for for them and that you can just trigger something within them to start their healing within themselves, that is simply enough. Like, And I think that I needed to remind myself that, that my simple presence and triggering the fuck out of some people and them doing some pretty crappy things was the seed that I needed to plant within them for them to understand what they need to do next for themselves that I did not need to be a part of. And although it hurt really, really bad, it was not part of my experience to sit there for the rest of that story. It was a karmatic tangleship between me and others, planting seeds, getting hurt, leaving. And that's all that needed to happen for me to break and understand a version of myself as well. And so everything is divine. I mean, it might fucking suck ass, but it will teach you exactly what you needed to learn from childhood, from karma cycles, whatever you want to believe in for yourself right now. Um, And yeah. Where was I in this book? Have Have a nosage. Whoa. Okay. Um... In order to cope with the pain of wounds inflicted in childhood, most of the men in boyhood sought some form of therapeutic care to find their way back to love they had to heal. Many men in our culture never recover from childhood unkindness. Studies show that males and females who are violently humiliated and abused repeatedly with no caring intervention are likely to be dysfunctional and will be predisposed to other abuse and others violently in jarvis jay's master's book finding freedom okay i have another connection so there's this beautiful more elder person in my life that happens to be family friends with my mom um and she is amazing she's beautiful and she mentioned to my mom and she mentioned to me when i was talking to her and i'm gonna do some like work for her and stuff like that um because I love helping elders, and elders always need help, and so, you know, that's another way to make money in capitalism, is to be like, hey, 
you have work, let me help you. And I want like, let me help you and let me hear your stories about <laughs> life. Um, and so she was a psychologist for a while. So she has a lot, a lot of knowledge, but she's also into spiritual healing um, in the ways of wanting to understand trauma and wanting to understand her child, her kid's trauma and things like that. And so we're talking about things. And whatever happened to you as a child, you will wear a big giant sign on your vessel, okay? It's like when something happened to you as a child, subconsciously you wear that like a bo- like a badge of honor and you will continue to live that same experience of childhood over and over and over again until you choose to go to therapy and to understand yourself. Um, and that's another thing that I noticed within myself and within others. I was attracting, like I said, the same in the previous episode, the same person in a different body over and over and over again is because there was a certain cycle and a certain abuse that happened as a child that I did not understand. And so it continued to happen. I was wearing this big red sign on my forehead attracting these people that did the exact same thing to me over and over and over and over. And yeah, there's that thing like, and I used to preach about this, things don't happen to you, they happen for you, but this cycle happens to you. It's a perpetual cycle that will continue until you realize the pattern and you want to actively stop it because that pattern will be like fucking heroin in your bloodstream because it's comfortable. It might be the most brutal fucking abuse ever, but it will be comfortable to you because it's all you've known since you were a young child. And so it takes a lot of gut to say I want to heal this and I no longer want to be in that comfortable space because it fucking hurts me many people in this lifetime will never do anything with that maybe it's not their time but that is what I am realizing within myself is I do not want that cycle any longer and I do not want to attract the same situations over and over that I've been dealing with for the past 18 years of my life or technically 19, but like I feel like the first few years is like the stepping stones. Like, and yeah, I'm not gonna divulge into that, I'm just gonna confuse myself. Um, but yeah, like, whatever happens to you as a, as a kid, you will continue to have the exact same relationships in life, exactly the way that childhood with your connection with parents will play out. And you cannot acknowledge, if you don't want to acknowledge that right now, you don't have to, but it will come back at one point. When I was traveling, I was talking to 30-year-olds, older in their 20s. I was talking to people even in their 70s and their 40s and their 50s and 60s. And they were just now going to therapy and just not understanding these things. And I don't know by what grace of God, I, I never use the word God, but I've been having a lot of people in my life that aren't religious, but that believe in religious texts as a way of propelling them forward and I think I'm really adopting that word (laughs) and I used to have so much hate towards it and I see God more as like the universe um not as like a big man in the sky so when I say that that's what I mean but by the grace of God I don't know what has allowed me to simply observe my trauma at such a young age when a lot of people don't observe their trauma until in their later 20s or in their 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, hell, even fucking 90s. Um, and so, yeah, I, I have been blessed to, in this lifetime to be able to know my shit pretty young. And maybe that's because of my upbringing. Um, 
but yeah and so that's what this this place is coming from is it a place actually i don't even know what i was gonna say there but but yeah um in society like ours where children are denied full civil rights it is absolutely crucial that parenting adults learn how to offer loving discipline setting boundaries and teaching children how to set boundaries for themselves prior to misbehavior is an essential part of loving parenting when parents start disciplining children by using punishment this becomes a pattern children respond to wow loving parents work hard to discipline without punishment this does not mean that they are that they never punish only that when they do punish they choose punishments like timeouts or taking away privileges they focus on teaching children how to be self-disciplining and how to take responsibility for their actions. Since the vast majority of us were raised in households where punishment was deemed the primary, if not only, way to teach discipline, the fact that discipline can be taught without punishment surprises many people. One of the simplest ways children learn discipline is by learning how to be orderly in daily life, to clean up any messes they make. Just teaching a child to take responsibility for placing toys in the appropriate place after playtime is one way to teach responsibility and self-discipline. Learning how, learning to clean up the mess during playtime helps a child learn to be responsible, and they learn from this practical act how to cope with emotional mess. Where they're currently, where, where, whoa, whoa, words. Where there are current television shows that actually modeled loving parenting parents were learning skills television shows oriented towards family often favorably represented children when they are overindulged, are disrespectful, or are acting out. Often they behave in more adult manner than the parents. Wow, yeah, yeah. Um, I love talking to the text and being like, holy crap. Um, when we see in television today, actually, at best, models for us inappropriate behavior and, in worst case scenarios, unloving behaviors. A great example of this is the movie like Home Alone, which celebrates disobedience and violence, but television can betray caring, loving family interaction. There are whole generations of adults who talk nostalgically about how they wanted their families to be like the fictive portraits of family life portrayed on leave it or beaver or my three sons okay now there's just some ramble i don't quite resonate with right now um so i'm gonna set it down but the other thing that i was thinking about is the fact that i don't know i can't speak for everybody but i remember feeling unvalued and unappreciated and unacknowledged most of my life and I still do feel that way and unloved and you know just never feeling like I ever was fully seen and met where I was ever as a child um it was always I needed to be something else or I needed to be better and I remember also being thrown so much shame about me never being good enough and so I would need and want this acknowledgement and validation and I know this is I think it's like a generational thing from like the 50s and 60s um people born in the late 50s and in like the early 60s about like their parenting style is maybe not I I honestly don't know I'm I think I'm trying to analytically trying to figure that out and I just need to not dive into that but um 
is the fact that children are then shamed for not being enough. So, like, I remember, you know, being a kid and being like, oh, shame on you for being an awful child. And me being like, I simply am acting out to try to get acknowledgement. But then when I act out to try to receive acknowledgement, I get even more punishment. And so it perpetuated this, well, I'm starting to lose my voice all of a sudden. This is something about (laughs) when our bodies will act and will perform in ways of trauma releasing. Um, if you ever notice, like, when you're going through a pretty traumatic thing, um, well, now my voice is coming back. When we go through a kind of traumatic thing, our bodies will shake, and that's a trauma response for us. When I've been into, in some kind of weird situations with people um, or kind of traumatizing, my body will perpetually shake, like like I'm cold, but I'm not cold. And so sometimes when you say things, sometimes your voice might go out because it's releasing some trauma. And so me saying this out loud is is me just recognizing the pattern, sharing it with the collective, is allowing other people to also see the pattern. Um, And so, yeah, when anybody acts out, it's because they don't feel seen and heard. When people are angry, it's also because you're crossing boundaries that was not spoken about. And so, um, realizing that now, and um, reading this book and speaking out loud in this podcast, I, I get a lot of downloads of understanding myself better. And so, anyhow when it's it's so heartbreaking that there's this parenting style of rough discipline and so again a lot of children they don't feel acknowledged or understood and so they act out and they do these things to try to receive acknowledgement even if it's punishment is perpetuating this thing in our head that oh at least we'll get acknowledgement and then we get even more punishment um and so have it that punishment is also addicting but it's also why do we blame the kids like I don't understand I hold so much shame there's a very very intricate part of my growing up um where I was constantly being told that I was an awful daughter and I was an awful child and I never understood I was like I I'm trying my goddamn best with everything that I'm doing and everything and nothing was ever good enough and I remember sitting at a restaurant with my grandmother and my family and her being like you were an awful child and I hope you know that and I have these sweet treats and they're for your parents and not for you because you are an awful child and I'm going to dingle them right in front of your face and for some reason that has come up where I'm like what the fuck like I was literally like I think 10 years old and I was struggling I was going through puberty I was already struggling in school. I already felt misunderstood. And then all of a sudden I was the bad child because I would act out because I wanted acknowledgement and validation and understanding. And this is a very extremely common thing. I cannot say, well, this is my story. Nobody else is like me. There's thousands of children out there that had the exact same story because that's the way society has taught. Um, and we can't blame our parents because they were probably raised the exact same way that they're perpetuating the abuse unto us. Um, or they're trying not to be like their parents so hard that they perpetuate even more abuse of the opposite way. So like, I've even talked to my parents and I've tried describing like, hey, I know these things happen to you as a child. You know how shitty it is. Why do you pass it on to, why are you doing this, you know, throwing this on to me? And they're like, well, there's a lot of things in my childhood that was even more full with abuse that I'm not doing so you should be happy and I'm a goddamn good parent and I'm like okay I see you and I hear you 
but that is not helpful. <laughs> like, can we please talk about how to not do these things? And so at least some parents are trying. Um, and I think every parent is trying their goddamn best. <laughs> like, and that's also a controversial statement with perpetuating of abuse, but they were also abused and their parents were abused. And so it's just your, it's a generational thing that, yeah, it fucking sucks that it's our responsibility, but it's either you stop the cycle or you pass it on to your kids and you make your kids feel the exact same way that you felt. And you do not want your kids to feel that exact same way. But it's also with the understanding of wanting to understand yourself that a lot of people are too scared to do. And I also understand because we don't have outlets in society for that. And so it's a huge, huge rock on our back to try to understand ourselves when we're already struggling in general. And so I think you're extremely brave to be listening to this podcast and to be wanting to understand yourself and don't think that you have to have everything figured out and that you have to be healed and that you have to you know go to therapy and divulge and all this stuff like I said is take it one step at a time what triggered you lately write that down try to understand why go to therapy talk to somebody about it um and just kind of go from there so anyhow I have 15 more minutes before this podcast episode will stop um, because I can only do hour-long episodes unless I do it with somebody else. Let's move on to the next page because this page doesn't really isn't really providing what I want to speak on. Um, okay, here's an, here's an example of something. My friend's daughter turns to me to intervene if there is a misunderstanding or miscommunication between her and her mom. Here's one small example. My adult friend had never received an allowance as a child and did not feel she had the available extra money to offer an allowance to her daughter. So she believed her daughter would use all the money to buy sweets, telling me that her daughter was angry with her over this issue. She opened up to the space for us to have a dialogue. I share my belief that allowances are are an important way to teach children discipline, boundaries, and working through desires versus needs. I knew enough about my friend's finances to challenge her insistence that she could not afford to pay a small allowance while simultaneously agging her not to project the wrong the wrongs of her childhood onto the present of her kid. As to whatever the daughter would buy candy, I suggested that she give the allowance with, an, with a statement of hope that it would be used for overindulgence and see what happened. It all worked out just fine. Happy to have an allowance. The daughter chose to save her money to buy things she thought were important and the candy was not on the list. Had there not been another adult parenting figure involved, it might have been it might have taken these two a longer time to resolve their conflict and unnecessary estrangement and wounding might have occurred. Okay, so that made no sense to me. My bad guys. I'm not reading any of this ahead. I'm literally just raw-dogging all of this. Um, I don't really like that parenting style, so that doesn't really resonate with me. Um, yeah, sure, we need discipline, but the way that there's discipline right now in society is so incredibly harmful. It's like, let me take all these things away from kids and throw them in timeout and be like, when you just... I don't even know how to get into that. When you do that to a child, you are creating a whole nother cycle that is not going to be helpful. Um, so disciplined parenting, I, 
I just do not like. Like, you're, but it's also a fine line because you don't need to be best friends with your kid. But at the same time, I honestly don't know how to go about that because who's to say that you can't be best friends with your kid? But then, actually, I don't even know. I don't know enough about that. Pretend like I didn't say anything because I don't know what I'm even saying. I'm trying to find an answer. <laughs> that makes no sense. Um, okay, this is getting back to what I wanted to say. Um, until we begin to see loving parenting in all walks of, in our culture, many people will continue to believe that we only teach discipline to punishment and that harsh punishment is an acceptable way to relate to children. Okay, so what she's talking about. Because children can innately offer affection or respond to affectionate care by returning it. It is often assumed that they know how to love and therefore do not need to learn the art of loving. Whoa. Hold on. Because children can innately offer affection or respond to affectionate care by returning it. It is often assumed that they know how to love and therefore do not need to learn the art of loving. That is enough said within itself. Um, while the will to love is present in very young children, they still need guidance in the way of love. Grown-ups provide that guidance. Love is as love does. And it is our responsibility to give children love. When we love children, we acknowledge by every action that they are not property, that they have rights and they and that we will respect and uphold their rights with the justice, there can be no love. Yeah, of course children are built in with love, but when we perpetuate these cycles of abuse, of discipline, we're saying that these children know love and they're built in with love and they will understand us out of a loving place, but children also need to see love. Like... Like she said, loving is as loving does. Wow. That was um, as powerful as hell. The next chapter is honesty. Be true to love. And this is a little quote by John Wellwood. When we reveal ourselves to our partner and find that this brings healing rather than harm, we make an important discovery that intimate relationship can provide a sanctuary from the world of facades, a sacred space where we can be ourselves as we are, the kind of unmasking, speaking our truth, sharing our inner struggles, and revealing our raw edges is sacred activity, which allows two souls to meet and touch more deeply. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to stop right there because I have stuff to do today. And my timer is about to go off. But, um... Okay, the connection between two humans is often like a moth to a flame. Like attracts like, and of course it's beautiful. Um, but be careful what like you want to attract, like I was just speaking. Um, and for some reason I'm very hesitant to publish this episode, and maybe I just need to go in with that because I'm trying to understand shame. And I feel a lot of shame around this podcast for some reason. I feel like I've been extremely vulnerable lately within this podcast, and I was talking to some people about it, and they're like, no, you talk about things on that podcast that nobody in society wants to talk about. And so you're setting an example of how to be vulnerable. But within that, guys, I hope you know that I also hold a lot of shame with being so vulnerable. Um, because sometimes being so vulnerable has gotten me into some pretty tricky situations. Um, 
But also, to be human means to live with vulnerability. And if you want connection, you've got to learn to be vulnerable. And so, um, human connection is also about, yes, sharing similar things. And I think the thing that we need to look for is not similar traumas. Do not trauma bond with others. And that's what I often do. But finding your core values and that's how you build a relationship. And I was never taught that. Um, is building a relationship is about finding your core values and that is a foundation. And I was even talking to my therapist and again, never been taught this. Never ever knew this. And she's like, well, it sounds like your relationships have never been built on trust and um, trust and what's the other word? The core values. And I'm like didn't even know that that's high risk plus build relationships i don't i never got relationship school 101 i learned fucking geometry and that's not going to get me anywhere in life respectfully um and so i've never built any relationship on core values i didn't even know what that is um i would just attract people that were similar to me so at least i would be understood but within that I was understood in all the wrong ways. Yes, it feels so good to be validated to know that I'm not crazy from my own experience and to validate somebody else's experience. But there's no core values there, okay? Yeah, there could be a few, but do not base your relationship on a fiery flame of same trauma, okay? That will literally blow up in your fucking face. And I am so grateful. Every connection that I've had lately in my life that I know is going to be some kind of teaching lesson or beautiful connection or maybe even just a chapter of my life of understanding another human being has been teaching me this thing called reeling it in and I because I'm a person that when I start a connection I'm like okay what's your trauma so I can understand what boundaries not to cross and it always catches me off guard when I've had multiple people in my life now like three or four be like I'm actually not going to share that stuff with you right now. And normally I would, but I'm practicing this thing called reeling it in. Multiple people have told me this and I've never heard it before. And it's not sharing things right off the bat, but it's before sharing trauma, it's finding core values and they never called it core values, but it was simply finding a baseline of things of interest of this human life without needing to do trauma. And later on when conflict comes up, then there's a place for understanding trauma and boundaries and speaking up on boundaries but when you try to find value in your core values through trauma bonding you will continually not find peaceful relationships um and that's something that you need to learn on your own and that's something that i'm learning and so learning that when i want a connection with somebody it does not have to be this fiery connection of wanting to understand each other within a week and even within friendships, I do this. I'm just like, okay, I want to understand you. Let's tell our whole backstory. And I think it's also a very ADHD thing to do. It's like um, love bombing. Um, and there's, of course, a piece of love bombing within narcissism and gaslighting. But then there's love bombing within neurodivergency where we do it subconsciously. Where we're just like, okay, I want to know everything about you within a week. And then we end up saying things like, um, you're my soulmate or, you know you understand me, but you're going to find a million people that are like that. Um, and so I'm having our time figuring out the words that I want to say, but yeah, it's, it's having the courage to 
understand people slowly and that is just something that I'm learning because I don't have to rush a connection it can simply be okay I want so badly to see your flame and to see my flame and to see and understand one another but that is not understanding understanding one's trauma is not understanding like it's not understanding for a new connection okay it leads room for buttons to be pushed and a year ago me would have been like you are so wrong understanding each other's trauma is the core of things but that is not a core value again and I don't know what a core value is quite yet I had to learn my own experience but I'm looking for core values to share what do we want in life what and how can we bring things to the table for one another how can we you know, again, I don't know, but reeling it in in core values is something that I'm learning, and that's how I want to make connections with others, so thank you for coming to my TED Talk once again. I love you, and I appreciate you for making it this far, and for learning about yourself, and for wanting to just simply become a better human, and wanting to stop a cycle, and that's incredibly brave, and I know how fucking hard it is, Um, and you rock, So I will talk to you when I talk to you next and I'm sending you lots of love and a big hug and a big forehead kiss and and beauty your way. So bye bye.